Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Coaches Area podcast, hosted by me, Ross Flintoft. It's an association with Tattle Thinker, where the listener or listeners will be able to have full access, all areas, to coaches talking about the beautiful game. Tonight, my special guest is Julia West. Hiya, Julia. You all right? Hi, Ross. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Brilliant. Brilliant since the sun's still out and the sun was still out today. So, great coaching in the sun. Uh, We'll just kick off. Uh, what does football or football coaching mean to you? Okay, I think um, that really for me, it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. It's part, you know, some people might say I'm a basketballer or a basketball player or whatever. Um, I say, yes, I'm a university tutor, but I am a, a football goalkeeper coach. And it's not even a football coach, right? I'm a football goalkeeper coach. That's what I sort of associate with and identify with. So, it's, it's sort of so integral to, to what I do and who I am now that that's sort of almost, that is how I introduce myself to people. And if I'm at a party that's not academic, it, I'll just lose the academic side and just go straight in with the football goalkeeper coaching stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that usually gets a bit more interest. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. What is your, your coaching journey to date? So what have you done in the past and what are you currently doing now on, on, on the pod? Right. Um, okay, so I started, oh, this is going to date me. So I started with the old Soccer Stars. I think it was Robin Russell's Soccer, soccer Stars um, camps. And we used to do like week-long camps in the summer. Um, I was over at Oxford then, so I was playing for Oxford United as well. And, and um, we did summer camps. Um, I worked my way from just like the assistant coach to sort of almost running the weekly camps and stuff. Um, and that was mo- mainly for outfield players. But I do remember that I got in um, I got in fairly quickly and said, oh, I can coach goalkeepers as well. So I, after a couple of years, I managed to get them to uh, put on a goalkeeper weeks camp. And that was great. That was really good fun. Um, so, yeah, so I started with the young kids and, and doing a little bit, bringing some of the science into it. Um, I did a little bit as well at some, um, they were called Centre of Excellences at the time. They've changed their names probably about six times, but mainly for boys. But I've also done some work with um, girls, what do we call them, RTCs? Um, uh, 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 and that was for Kidderminster as well, actually, when I came across to uh, to Worcester. Um, I, in all of that, I sort of decided that I'd need a qualification. You know, I had um, an old prelim, so that really dates me. I converted that to a level two, and then I went on to do my UA for B. Um, and for a little while, I was certainly in Worcestershire, and I think almost the West Midlands, I was actually the only um, woman with a UA for B um, license. So, and that really, for me, that's that started my, my coaching journey. The rest before that was a bit of play, really. Um, and play at coaching but once I did the UA for B I think I took it a little bit more seriously and you know with the, with the goalkeeper qualifications you had to do the level two outfield before you could do the level two goalkeeper and then UA for B outfield with the level three goalkeeper yeah, so yeah. you know that was my ambition that was my pathway um, about where where I was then run out of steam a little bit I haven't done the level three goalkeeper I would love to but I just haven't I mean there's a time a financial implication yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not at the start of my career anymore, so I'm like, hmm, do I need to? You know, I don't really know. I'm, I'm that's hanging in the balance a little bit, but I do do a lot of CPD. Um, went on to coach senior women's teams, 
um, of which now I'm currently at Worcester City Women Football Club. Um, and they're what I would call a serious grassroots club. So they've got all the infrastructure for, for a tier four or a tier three club. Um, they really do have all that sort of supporting um, staff, backroom staff, facilities, et cetera, et cetera. But they're currently at tier five. So we need to get some promotion this year in order to, to become a, a, you know, a, a proper club, as it were. We are a proper club, but, you know, you know what I mean, up yeah. in tier four. So that's our big goal this year. Um, I also coach um, Goalkeeper Academy. So uh, um, every Friday night, I just run a session where loads of keepers come. We have great fun. We do all things goalkeeper. We end up smashing balls at each other. It's great. It's great. Everybody leaves with a smile on their face and they all want to come back. So we must be doing something right. Um, And then really just recently, um, I managed to get onto the Future Lionesses Goalkeeper Programme. So I haven't done any of that yet. And I'm really looking forward to working with both the coaches um, but also the the future talent, you know, some, some really good goalkeepers. I think I'm going to learn an awful lot. I think my learning curve is going to be really, really steep at that point. So sort of that's me in, in a rather large nutshell. Brilliant. It sounds like the you're the goalkeeping guru for your area where you're working and things like that. I just, I just love how passionate you are and how energetic you are with not even doing a session just talking about football um <laughs> absolutely love it um what what is it that you're most passionate about uh, about the sport about goalkeeping coaching about football I think for me, sport is, is is about moving. It's about being healthy, and I think you're healthy when you're socialising with people. You're showing, you know, you're you're learning. People, human being, human brains have to learn. Like that's what they're designed for. They do something, it either works or it doesn't work. They'll do it again, or they find a different way. You know, and even when we do find a way, the, the brain is sort of wired to find the easiest option. So. You know, for some learners, it might be we as coaches might look at them and go, that is not the easy way of doing it. However, you know, sometimes you just got to let them get on with it and and, uh, work it out for themselves. And and I love seeing those learning moments, you know, when they actually they they have a go at something. They're confident enough to have a go at something. Um, It comes off or it doesn't. um, And and hopefully they've got the confidence to get back up and, and have another go and do something different this time. Change the picture. Um, so it is, it is, it's all of those. I mean, to be cheesy, it's sort of like the four corners of the FA model, isn't it? You've got to have the social. The psych is in there in terms of the healthy, the movement related. It makes you feel good. I mean, even goalkeepers feel good, you know. Um, and you, then you've got your physical stuff, you know, you've got your technical stuff. And, and that's that's where it's at for me is, is, is those special moments. Um, you asked about the goalkeeper coaching. Well, I mean... <sighs> It, that is so special. It's almost really hard to put that into words, right? Here's the thing, and this is why I say to a lot of people when they ask me, why goalkeepers? Why why, do you, why are you interested in goalkeepers? I'm not afraid to be different, um, and goalkeepers are very different, but, but we're different in a nice way, not in a sort of like special way or anything like that. Um, and I think because we can use our hands in an area, because we've got different things happening, because we're right at the back, we can see the whole picture, we can see the entire field. And the thing is, I don't have to run up and down that field. And that's a long way, right? That's 90 minutes. And, and some of those guys cover somewhere between about 12 to 16 kilometres in a game. I don't have to do any of that. 
I just um, I'm sort of lurking around my box and, and sort of maybe in my attacking third or my defending third, really. Um, and the action happens right in front of me. OK, and it's and it's it comes to me and it says, what are you going to do about it? And th- that's where I can put my stamp on the game. That's where I can be me. That's where I can express myself, be individual and go, if you think you're good enough, take the shot. Okay, and, and and that's you know that's where it's special for me, and that's what I'm trying to get to my keepers. I'm trying to say you're not cowering in your goal, you're not standing there shivering in your goal. What you're doing is you're standing there, you're loud and proud, and you're going. If you think you can get that ball past me into the back of the net, do your best, because it is going to take your best to get that ball. And you know, contrary to popular belief, no goalkeeper I've ever met, be they yay high or yay high, has ever let a ball go into the back of the net you know we don't let the balls go in they go in because we make the attackers pull out the weldies that's what we do okay and that that's what we're there for and if they can't do the weldies i make the save and that's the end of it um if they do the weldies i'll do my best to get my finger to tips to it anyway so you know and that and that's what i'm trying to get the keepers to work on is if, if we could all get clean sheets every game, it would be boring and I probably would go on to a different position and maybe even a different sport. But because we, because it's very rare, you know, you've got to play well and the team's got to play well to get those clean sheets. And just, just so much happening, just so much going on that I think, yeah, actually, now that we can play with hands and feet, you know, we've got, we got twice as much to think about. So, yeah, those are the moments for me. Goalkeeper coaching, seeing some of those youngsters come through and they're terrified of being hit by the ball. And the next minute they're pulling off a save down to their bottom right or their top right or their top left or bottom left or something. That's where it's at. Or they're doing a one-on-one, right? Some of, some of my goalkeepers, we're going through different phases of growth spurts and you've got little shrimps playing against, you know, gigantic um, players and they're coming through on one-on-ones and you're sitting there going perhaps this isn't a good idea next thing those little goalkeepers been down at their feet and they've nicked the ball and they've got up and their big smile on their face and I'm like that was class you know if, if you do it right it doesn't matter what size you are it's, it's it's like the technique is brilliant and that's what I absolutely love about it so yeah no the goalkeeper coaching for, for sure has a special special place in there in my heart I think brilliant brilliant um who has been the biggest influence on your go on on your coach? And could be a goalkeeper coach, could be an outfield coach. Yeah, um, I've got a couple. So I thought about this. I've got a couple. So the first one that I will say is he was the goalkeeper coach for the England Lionesses um, under Hope Powell, and his name was uh, Keith Reese. I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning him. He is an absolutely such a patient guy. I learned so much of him. He invited me to some England camps. Um, some talent camps and, and everything and and he just the way he got his information across he was he was really um he had a lot of, he's got a lot of knowledge but he didn't feel like he needed to get it across you know all in a one session which you know when I was young that's probably what I thought I had to do that's that's what I thought coaching was all about I mean he works I think now at Everton Academy if if anyone knows um, knows of him, then feel free to put me in touch with him. That'd be brilliant. I know he's not on, or he wasn't anyway, when I knew him on social media. Um, and I've sort of lost, I've, I've had a few phones by, uh, since then and sort of lost contact. So that's a bit of a shame. So if anyone knows of him up in the Everton area, I'm sure he'd be up there still. 
um, then by all means, you know, get me in touch. That'd be awesome. Um, he even came down a couple of times to my goalkeeper. I'm in Worcester, West Midlands. So he came down a couple of Fridays, you know, to, to help me do some coaching and some guest coaching with my um, goalkeeper academy, which was brilliant. You know, it was really good. He, we invited some extra girls to come into because the, the goalkeepers are for boys and girls. Um, so we invited some extra girls to come in as well. Um, and, and the feedback was phenomenal. So just if I could take away some of what he sort of gave to me in those sessions, I think that'd be absolutely phenomenal. Plus, he was a really good mentor. I mean, we discussed, we're discussing now goalkeeper stuff, but he was a proper part of the goalkeeper union, you know, and I felt really special and, and what have you. And I was, I was talking and coaching with him. So that was really good. Um, and then secondly, and I'm sure again, she won't men- uh, mind me mentioning her name, is uh, Marianne Spacey-Kale. I don't know if you know, um, ex-England player. She, at the time, I think... I think she was equivalent caps to Alan Shearer. Um, and uh, yeah, she, absolutely mean goal scorer. Absolutely brilliant. I made the mistake once when I uh, I coached with her at um, Kidderminster um, Academy and we were just mucking around as coaches do, you know, before the session actually got going and she was taking a few shots. So I plonked myself in goal and um, and I was a little bit rusty then, actually, to be fair. I'd, I'd, um, I'd had a bit of time out. And, uh, she, yeah, she managed to put, she put an absolute weldy in. And I just stood there and thought, yeah, do you know what? There, yeah, I can see that. That was an absolute class. I mean, I was probably one inch out of position. That was it, you know, and, and she nailed it. And I was like, okay, yeah, fair play to you. But I, I remember looking across at that centre of excellence and I remember watching her session. I was dealing with the keepers and she was doing um, an attacking session. And I remember looking across and thinking, hmm, what she's done is the session's running and she's just pulled one or two girls out and she's just having a conversation and she's pointing them in the right direction, giving them some tips and just, you know, listening to what they've got to say. And, and I think it was from that moment on I realised actually that I shouldn't be the dictator. It shouldn't be down to me to tell people what to do. That actually I wanted my sessions to be like that more. I wanted, you know... I was going to say calmness, but my session aren't my sessions aren't calm. Like they're they're full of tempo and people throwing themselves on the floor and stuff. So it's it's hard to have that. But rather than you know um, banging into everybody, just pulling those couple of keepers, I try and work it so that I've got a rotation of keepers. So one steps out the goal and I'm just like. Oh come over here you know what did you do well what what can I expect to see again what are you going to show me next time you know what have you learned what you're going to put into practice and you know all that sort of stuff and when they next get in I go go on then don't tell me show me go on here's your chance now show me show me what you're going to do so I've sort of taken a lot of some of that communication stuff on board from what I saw her doing and I wasn't even close to hear what she said to them I mean she might have been talking about you know, favourite foods and stuff like that. I, di- I didn't have a clue what she was saying to them, but just the way she was working with them, I thought, I want some of that. Uh, so, yeah, those two people really, I mean, you know, I've met a lot of people that I felt comfortable with. I've stolen loads of ideas, as any good coach ha- uh, does, is, is we're very good at thieving ideas um, and adapting them from, for ourselves. But those two definitely stand out for me. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Um, what is your favourite practice and why? And what is your favourite formation and why? Right. Favourite practice. I didn't really have to spend too long thinking about my favourite practice. I mean, I've got loads like goalie wars and et cetera, et cetera. But my absolute dream practice, and I love this to death, is a 3v2. Right. So you've got the goalkeeper in goal, two defenders and three attackers come in. So you switch over. You can play it with any number of players you've got. This is brilliant for taking to a club if, if you haven't got a certain goalkeeper coach, a specialist goalkeeper coach. 
You know, you've got attackers, you've got defenders. But my goalkeepers love doing it as well because they switch around, they get a chance to shoot at each other, they get a chance to practice defending, and they all fight about who's going in goal, so we have to rotate it round. Um, and you can do it with any number, any number. And you, it's, it's a high tempo, so those three attackers, sometimes if I'm getting bored, I sort of like count back down from five down to one and go, if you haven't taken a shot yet, it's too late, and you forfeit, you go, and we all switch around and everything else. So I can I can keep the time really realistic by counting um, seconds. Um, I think the keepers get loads and loads of touches. So they get footwork touches as well, which actually um, is often neglected. So we tend to do a lot of hand stuff, but we neglect feet. Um, so, yeah, they get a lot of footwork touches when I'm doing that in my goalkeeper sessions. And really, it's just it's, it is fun because, you know, some of my keepers... And they do need a lot of footwork practice, let's put it there. Um, you know, they, they come out and they take that touch and they take a strike on goal. And I mean, I know I'm coaching goalkeepers, but they take the strike on goal and it is an absolute worldie. And you sit back and go, I don't know where that came from, but I'm going to tell you that that was excellent. And that poor keeper that you're just trying to coach, you know, is lying on the ground going, what happened? And and really what you're doing is, is going, get up, put the mistake behind you because it's your turn to attack in a minute. So you've got to get up and get yourself sorted. So you, you're getting them out of their own space. You know, stuff goes right, stuff goes wrong. They just got to get up and deal with it. And I, that's what I love about the practice is you've got no time to think about those mistakes. You've got to get back out there. You're now an attacker. Suddenly you're a defender. Now you're back in goal, you know, and it's bang, bang, bang. There's all these things going on all at once. So I'll do that with a team. I'll do it with goalkeepers if I've got... Um, if I've got people who, you know, attackers, like some, some of my goalkeepers, sometimes I'll only give them a one defender. So it'd be three V the goalkeeper plus one defender. Sometimes it'll be three V the goalkeeper and two defenders. Sometimes, depending on numbers, I'll have four V two or four V one. Just depends on numbers and depends on the ability of the players that I'm, I'm working with. So, yeah, no, we can get a proper good buzz going on for that. And they don't want to stop. It's like goalie wars, right? They just don't want to stop playing it. At the end of the night, I could see the parents and I turn to the parents and go, if you really need to go home, just let me know and I'll grab your keeper out of here. And all the parents go, oh, oh, I'm not going to touch that. Yeah, those keepers, are, you know, they're working hard and they won't want to come home right now. So um, it obviously works. So that's that's tempo and fun for that one is, is really good. Um Formation you asked about, and I'm going to go and stick my neck out and, and go, I like a 3-5-2 formation. And there's a number of reasons why. So firstly, I think because you've got three players at the back, the goalkeeper is less likely to get squashed out of space. Um, one of the worst things, I think, uh, about being a goalkeeper is if your defence sit too close to you, um, they squash your time. They, they they take away your reaction time. So if you don't see the shot come in until the last minute, you've got very little time to respond to that. So it becomes a deflection rather than a catch and you're not in control anymore. You're reacting to something that's happened in front of you. So I, I like it when, you know, you've got three. That means that there's one centre back. You can push them out of your way um, and start to work with that space between you and the three um, in front of you. I also like to overload the midfield because I'm a bit, controlling I like control I like my teams to get control of the game so overloading that um that bit in the middle with our five if I've got some wingers and I, and I like to have more than one attacker a lone striker for me is sort of like it's tempting the goalkeeper to kick the over balls the the, the um the on two balls all the time and I think actually a goalkeeper needs to have you know more skills to their repertoire so we need to pass it into we need to pass it around you know we need to pass it through so the 
yeah, I don't just like the kick and rush and, you know, running onto, onto stuff. But having said that, I mean, in terms of formation, I read somewhere that actually when the whistle goes and the picture on the pitch for all the players changes all the time, actually all you're going to get is 11 1v1s all over the pitch. That's what happens. Not all at the same time, obviously, because that'd just be chaos. But, you know, wherever the ball is, you've got a 1v1. You might then end up with an overload or an underload. But essentially, the formation only really happens when the whistle um, blows again and we're all a bit static and then we get back into shape and, you know, and then off we go again. And it puts us in a sort of a good area, but it's not really, that's not a static thing as, as to how we play. So it is quite fluid, um, but I love it the most because it gives the goalkeeper way more time uh, and it's a lot more attacking, I think. When we try and play those balls over that first line of attack and over our defenders, we, we've got a good chance of hitting some of those midfield players. So, you know, it gives the goalkeeper a, a, um, good distribution stats as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, who was your favourite goalkeeper of all time? Can be male or female <laughs> in, I'll tell you mine as well. It, hopefully I can tell tell you my kind of goalkeeper of all time with hopefully the technical information that you and the listeners will understand, hopefully anyway. <laughs> OK, we'll give it a shot. I'm sure that there's a lot of forgive- forgiveness in the goalkeeper union, I'm just going to say. Um, so my ultimate role model, love him or hate him, and I absolutely think he's brilliant, is Peter Schmeichel. I absolutely love him. Now, I think for me, he's not the most technical goalkeeper, but because he was big, strong, agile, um, he, he sort of like broke the rules, but he made up his own rules. And, and at the end of the day, he was one of those that he went out and went, if you think you're good enough, get it past me. You know, and he actually went and faced off all of those attackers. And I just sit there and go, oh, man. I mean, some of the saves that I was watching him do, he didn't even touch the ball, right? All he did was he went out into his 18-yard box and he just frightened the attackers so much that they you know, travelled with the ball towards the goal line and they, they didn't actually take a pop at the goal. And you sit there and think, wow, that's a keeper that's on top of his game. We talk about this thing called presence in, in goal, not, not gifts and stuff that you unwrap, but, you know, your attitude, your, who you are, that, you know, do we feel you before we actually see you walk through the door, that sort of stuff. Um, and he had that in bucket loads, right? When he was in goal, I think anyone who looked up from one end of the pitch, they they looked down and go, wow. There's not a lot of goal left to shoot at. You know, he's a big guy, he filled the goal. Um, but he was strong, he was agile. So he wasn't just big, it wasn't wasn't just um a big lad in goal. He was he was agile, he was strong, he was powerful. Everything he did, boom. I've got a fantastic picture that is is pretty much um uh horizontal. That's the that's the word I was looking for. Pretty much horizontal going for a top corner save, but I mean is his whole body is virtually up by the um, crossbar, you know, and he's just flying through the air. And I sit there and go, that's what it's about. That's what it's about for me. That's that's why, another reason why I love him. Um, I was lucky enough a while ago to be at St George's Park for, um, I've been invited along to to some goalkeeper coaching up there. And, um, and he was at the reception in the Football Learning Centre. And I remember coming in and I was busy with all the, um, uh, coaching course stuff that I was doing and he was obviously busy sorting out his stuff and he probably won't ever remember because I probably made zero impact on him but he made a massive impact on me so I went in and I went oh 
not every day you get to see your role model, okay, face to face. And I thought, I know who that is. So I sort of like tried not to be creepy, but sort of stood there for a little bit, stared. And then I went, oh, hello. To which he was like, hello. But he was organising his stuff. So he would never remember that he said hello to this random person that looked like her eyes were going to fall out and was standing there going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm standing next to my idol. So, you know, it, it I, I'm lucky enough. It's not every day you you meet your role model. So yeah, definitely for all of those reasons, it's going to be Schmeichel. Okay, mine is uh, Manuel Neuer. Right. And the reason why Manuel Neuer probably s- sort of similar reasons that you've got for Peter Michael, big, agile, um, yeah. can throw it, can use his feet well. Um, I think I first come across him when he played for um, Schalke in Germany. Um, in like a Champions League game I think it was and he was doing something that the English Premier League goalkeepers wasn't doing so like he was coming out and playing the back four and he was in the middle he was like a third centre half of the of of the back four and I thought whoa this keeper will probably well I think he has revolutionised the goalkeeping him and probably Van der Sar, close ones. Um, yeah. But I just think his presence in 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 goal, like like you were saying, he's he's handling distri- distribution, kicking, um, yeah. like but just playing the short passes, and trying yeah. to and trying to like outplay the like centre forward and stuff like that. I just think it, he's brilliant. Um, and just he's he's, he's all round kind of. I know, obviously, you're a goalkeeper, so you should be able to shot stop and right. stuff like that. But I call that shot stopping and just his yeah. reflexes and 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 how he was and was it was just fantastic to see. And I just thought, I thought, wow, like, yes, there's like Buffon, there's Ikes Casillas, there's 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 other great yeah. goalkeepers like that. But for me, I don't know, I don't know about yourself. I think he is or was at the time. At a young age, in playing for Bayern Munich, the complete goalkeeper. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that. I think you know, opening up to the Champions League and seeing how some of the European goalkeepers play, for an example, is totally in England. It's it's still is to an extent and and I have to remember yeah we can deflect balls we don't just have to catch and hold them you know we can deflect them we can pat them down if there's space we can chest them down and you know play off with our feet and then and get the game moving and you know there's there's a lot of technical change that that when you catch a ball you know in front of you and you've got your W's on it and you pull it in well these days what we used to do is we used to catch it in front pull it in and then we'd smother it with our arms right and 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 sort of like hold on to it and hug it these days, what we want to do is we want to set the attackers going really quickly. So we want to, we want to not necessarily the attackers, but the midfield. We want to start our attack really, really quickly. So actually, when you catch it out here, you don't necessarily pull it in only to take some of the pace off it, but immediately you're looking to to throw it, distribute it somewhere, you know, either close or miss out a line of um, of oncoming attackers and stuff. So I, th- I think we learned a lot from the keepers from. Um, you know, like Neuer, like um, Van der Sar. Um, and there's, you know, the, oh, lots of keepers. I think it's, it's just like coaching, right? You just steal stuff. I watch lots of goalkeepers. Everyone goes, who do you support? Well, I'm going to confess I don't support a football team except for the Lionesses um, and obviously the England men's too. Um, but I do look at all the keepers and I do watch all the keepers and I do go, oh, I like that keeper. So 
by default, if I like a keeper, I'll probably say that I support that team. But it's not really the team. I'm looking at the keeper going, oh, I quite like what I'm seeing here. I I think they're playing really well. Oh, Oh, let's have a look at some of their stats. And yeah, I will go away and have a look at some of the goalkeeper stats. But Unfortunately, you know, with with some of the clean sheet stuff, it's that's not where it's about for me. You know, yeah. um, it's it's more about you know distribution stats and and even the expected uh, goals, expected saves information is interesting. Uh, much as I don't like it, it's actually quite an interesting stat that comes through. And and, and I do have a good look round at some of those keepers that, that that are playing that have got some good stats. So yeah, I think I think we learn a lot from some of those from some of those goalkeepers and and our I chuck in here because we talk about skills and learning and stuff like that and I've I've got my my absolute favorite theory and I try and model my practices on this and it's and it's um Ericsson's theory of deliberate practice now what that means in a nutshell if you haven't heard of that is it's you've probably heard of the 10,000 hour rule right and it's where unfortunately football pundits have got the wrong end of the stick so um, they've said that you 10,000 hours is what it takes to be the best player in the world or whatever. Well, that's not exactly what the theory says. The theory says if you have like 10,000 hours of exposure um, of, of a particular skill, you'll get very, very good at that particular skill. So if the skill that you're practicing is a very good skill and it's a very effective skill, you'll get very, very good at this effective good skill. But if the skill that you're practicing is not a very good skill at all and it's not going to get you anywhere, you'll become very good at this not very good skill, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So that's what the actual theory says. It's, it's all about touches. So for me, like if I go back to that 3v2, um, the reason I love that is because we can get it rolling really quickly and everybody gets loads of touches. So, you know, on, on their feet, just on footwork, that they're probably having, oh, I don't know, about, say, 10 touches. The defenders are having probably about three, four, five goes at defending and going in and out and trying to steal balls and make a tackle and make a run and, you know, um, save space. And then the keeper gets maybe one, maybe a deflection. You know, they got a shot and then we switch them around really quickly. So we're getting lots and lots of touches in, in that session. And if I've got a small group and I usually bring it down to fairly small numbers and run them really hard, then I'm exposing them to quite a lot of touches. And I I guess in my sessions, I try and base them on, can I get my keepers to do, and it goes anywhere between 50 and 150 touches in a session. I mean, ideally, I'd like 150 touches all the time, but I I sort of work on that uh, that 10,000 hour, the more touches I can get, um, the more exposure to that particular skill I can get my my players to to have, hopefully the better they'll be at that skill. You know, and and that's probably my underlying philosophy if you like i mean if we put ten thousand hours into actual what does it mean real term it's like three hours a day for 10 years three hours a day every day for 10 years is approximately um what it is and, and you sit there and think that's a lot of commitment well if i've got a 16 year old kid and they think they're really good so they would have been starting about six years of age but they're gonna have to have done three hours a day every day and they won't be up at that ten thousand hours yet They'd be fairly close, but they won't be there yet. So, you know, I reckon I've maybe got a couple of thousand hours I can play with. Um, and I and, and I want to give them that really good experience so they can now take it to the next level. So, you know, that that's probably 
explains a little bit of the context as to why sometimes um as to why I like these skills my philosophy get the ball rolling you know get the touches happening um plus the kids love it and let's let's face it so do the senior women they love it when they've got the ball at their feet or in the vicinity of them if the ball's down the other end of the pitch they don't like it they're bored and we're all like that aren't we you give somebody a football and their face lights up and their feet and hands light up but you take that football away and it all goes back down again so you know, it's 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 sort of like maintaining some of that interest and some of that fun as well. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I've gone off a bit of topic That's there, fine. but sorry. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, just love how you how how passionate you are and 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 the energy that you give off about football. Brilliant. Um, yeah. how how was your sports science course at university, and did you deliver any coaching sessions at a club alongside this? And do you have any advice for people looking to do this in? in the future, a future uni student, in the future uh, football coach? Right. Yeah, I I think the most valuable thing was that, I, yes, I was doing some of the, so- the football coaching, some of the soccer stars stuff. Um, plus, I also did a work placement at Brentford Football in the community, and that was brilliant. Uh, that, that gave me an exposure to a lot of different scenarios you know and I got into the youth team I felt a part of something big I I didn't get into the youth team to play but got in to watch the matches I'm just going to say that I was a girl they were guys um and it it was really nice I felt a part of something bigger um and yeah I, I think it gave me it gave me that applied bit of the degree that I did so Sports science to me and and in sport, anything that you look at, strength and conditioning, psychology, you know, um, philosophies of coaching, anything like that. It's all words on a page and you can write great essays about it if you really want to. But at the end of the day, it's it's what happens on the pitch. It's um, these every single one of those players and goalkeepers that I work with are first and foremost, they're people they're humans so you know some days they have a good day and some days they don't have a good day um and sometimes I might contribute to that in some way I'm hoping that now I always contribute in a good way that's what I like to think but I get it right not everyone's gonna like me so you know sometimes I'm probably not contributing necessarily in a good way to some players but I hope I hope that's the case I'm always striving to do that but first and foremost they're people and I mustn't ever forget that um I think that Working alongside studying, so coaching alongside studying um, was important because it showed me that. So the all the theory stuff, all the strength and conditioning stuff, all the physiology or the psychology, like I said, all of that was the knowledge. But the actual application to somebody, you know, seeing it work or seeing it not work and then having to change it as well. I gave me so much to talk about um, actually on my uni degree. And I think that that was so important open my eyes uh, to a whole different way of you know this is sport and it's not just about playing it you know and this is this is football it's not just about playing it it sort of spoilt it a bit for me because I was starting to look at oh I've I've learned this skill acquisition theory so I know what's happening here and I've I've learned this bit about strength and conditioning and power and speed and agility and stuff like that so then I'd be looking and going is this skill is this power is this something so I'd forget about the ball and I'd just be looking mainly at the goalkeeper um but you know I'd be trying to put what I'd learn into practice right there and then I think also um and this is any this is my biggest tip for anyone looking to do coaching or anything at uni like that um is all of your assignments all of our assignments here at Worcester so I'm assuming that that's the case in across many universities 
give you that they sort of say a sport of your choice or or you know an action or an activity of your choice so I bet there's no prizes for guessing what I chose to write all my assignments about. Um, it wasn't even football, right? It was football goalkeeping. Um, and so all my stuff were on football goalkeepers. But I learned so much because I had to write about this stuff and put it into the goalkeeper context. Um, and I still do that now. I still look at it and go, right, I need to, I'm going to write about this. I'm going to put this. I'm going to bring this information. How can I use that information? Um, and it's all those sorts of things that I think can really help. So look at your assignments, look at the wording on your assignments and where at all possible, put in your football player or your football coaching or your football goalkeeper or, or whatever it is and make it personal to you. Um, you know, I, I don't care if my lecturers were totally switched off by my goalkeeper assignments. The fact is I learned an awful lot um, and I loved it because I was writing about goalkeepers, you know, I wasn't writing about some ballerina or gymnast, you know, and, and that's no disrespect to them because they work very hard. But I was, well, sometimes I was bringing some of that gymnastic stuff into my goalkeeper thinking and thinking, yeah, how can I use this? So I did that for my end of the three year, you do a big project, a big independent study. Um, I did on goalkeeper coaching. So I looked at whether actually any sort of coaching would help goalkeepers improve or not. Um, so I took some, there were six goalkeepers that I took for, uh, I think it was six weeks of goalkeeper sessions. And I measured sort of a range of skills and, you know, um, dives and, and kicks and what have you. And then I had six goalkeepers that I didn't give any coaching to, but I switched them around at the end of the six weeks. So I, I did the other six then. Um, and what I found was, yeah, the, the goalkeepers that had any form of coach, anything, right, um, because I wasn't a very experienced goalkeeper coach at the time, that, that they improved massively on those goalkeeper skills. So, you know, for all those outfield coaches out there, please don't be scared. Get get stuck in. Do something with your goalkeepers. Footwork is brilliant. And you do that with your outfield players. So there's no that's no different. But, you know, yeah, do something with your goalkeepers because it does work and it has an impact. And we come back to that 10,000 hour rule, don't we? And it's like it is part of that. It's, it's part of those touches. It's part of that experience. Um, I also did, interestingly, for I did a master's in sports coaching and my final year project for that was on goalkeepers as well. Um, I'd worked out that decision making was really important for goalkeepers. Um, yeah, I was slow to the party, but I but I worked worked that out and thought, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if I can explore that a little bit more. So I, I sorted out 20 different common at the time um, in the Champions League, common um, scenarios that goalkeepers goal scoring opportunities came from and I was working at a different university I had access to a football team and we recreated these 20 scenarios on video um, and I stood as the goalkeeper I was a gigantic camera at the time we didn't have like little nice slimline cameras it was a big you know in in your face tv camera type thing um, and I stood in the goal where they recreated this scenario and I got goalkeepers so I had goalkeepers at various um, academies and I had um, players that had never ever um, had a competitive game in goal as a goalkeeper. So I had two very distinct groups and I thought I'm going to see a difference between these two groups because they're so different, right? So they all went through, I, I timed how quickly they took to make a decision and um, what they did, so what their action was, and then how confident they were once they actually came to make that save. And so how confident that they stopped the ball going in the back of the net. I didn't care whether they held it or they deflected it or whatever, but they stopped the ball going into the goal. 
So really interestingly, as you would expect, the goalkeepers um, at the academies, they were quicker to make the decision and what they said they would do sort of fitted into the goalkeeper patter that, that we understand, you know, when we coach and that. It was like, yeah, I don't really have a problem with that. That sounds good. Um, but really, really interestingly, the non-goalkeepers um, were way more confident about keeping the ball out the back of the net. And I looked at that and I went, oh, what is going on and why is that? These kids, you know, they've got lots of exposure. Is it, is it the pressure of being at an academy? What What's going on? And I ha- happened to overhear a conversation of two of my keepers as they were waiting for another guy to come out um, of, of the testing um, room. And they were talking and, and I said, can you why why are you why is your confidence so low about coming it was coming out to claim a cross so come out or claim or stay in shot stop and uh, they'd all decided to come out and claim uh, yet their confidence was really really low about keeping it out the back of the net whereas the other guys who'd never played in competitive goal thought they could keep the ball out the back of the net and I was like so, so what's going on and one of the guys turned around to me and said oh well my coach says that I have to come out and take this corner um, and I have to take the ball as it comes across and I looked and I went why would you why would you tell somebody they have to if their best if they're best way of making that save was to stay and do a shot stop so I had a good shot stopper who had great reflexes I'd I'd probably say don't bother coming out in the air because you know we've got one single time to intercept that ball as it comes through so it's coming from the side we've got one point of interception if you fluff that up then you know it's going to look like an easy goal Um, there is no easy goal but it is going to look like that and there's so much that can go wrong you could be coming down too quickly you might have so you've mistimed your takeoff. You either you've either um, you know you've gone up to the peak and you're coming down and the ball's still rising. So you've mistimed your takeoff, but you've misjudged the flight of the ball. There might be players in the way that you haven't seen. Certainly some of those behind you. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why. Um, and I say to my keepers, look, I don't expect you to catch those ones. And I use the word spoil. I say spoil the attacker's party. So if that ball's coming over for a cross, if you feel like you're going to go out and take that ball, or you're going to come out and and you know make a point that's fine but you've got to make sure that you spoil the party for the attackers so spoil the ball or or catch it or deflect it or whatever you're going to do but change the trajectory of it and make that attacker work if they're going to score a goal so you know I sat there and thought oh no I'm not ever going to tell my keepers they have to come out and take a cross and I'm not ever going to tell them they have to stay and make the shot stop at the end either I'm going to get them to work on what feels good for them what feels right for them and, and work with what they've got then I'm going to help to try and expand their repertoire because I don't just want them to be a one-trick pony. I want them to have a few little bits up their sleeve that they could do because, you know, those attackers are getting pretty sneaky these days and there's lots of stuff out there on attacking and fancy footwork and I've just seen, oh my God, I've just seen a trick shot by, um, by I can't remember who it was, but it was only the other day actually, um, Toots, somebody called Toots on on uh, on Twitter. Go and have a look, look him up. And there's a little video clip of he's approaching the goal, and he takes a big swing. But actually, what he does is is with his standing foot, he does a little jump and he pokes the ball into the back of the net with his standing foot. But he's taken a big swing and the keeper's fallen for it. And I've sat there and gone, oh, you know, sneaky attackers. So I'm going to make sure that those goalkeepers get as much as they possibly can so that they've got the best chance of keeping that ball out the back of the net. So I know what I would have said to that keeper if I was coaching them um, in that particular instance. But hey, let him have his moment, right? Because the keepers are coming back, I can tell you that now. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like being invited to coach on the FA goalkeeping programme at St George's Park? 
Oh, well, that for me, that was an absolute, oh, what a moment. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. I thought, what have I got to lose, um, you know, for the Future Lionesses goalkeeper programme? Um, I'm, I'm working with some really, really good people. We, we went and did a, an induction day at St George's Park, and I love St George's Park. It is really, it's very professional. Um, they make me feel like a VIP. You know, I, I sort of feel like I'm coming home. You know, I feel like football's coming home. Here it is, yeah. And there's a lovely long driveway, you know, past all the pictures and everything. It's so well done. I, I absolutely love it. I always love my time at SGP. Um, and yeah, just just going there on the induction and getting excited about you know the this goalkeeper program. We worked with some of the um, they'd invited some of the the young goalkeepers down to to this induction day, and we ran a session through, and some of the coaches showed us some of the things that they were doing, and you know um, trying to share good practice across some of the centres. And I absolutely loved the the talent that was on display there. You know, they said they had a range of grassroots through you know, um, sort of tier four centres of excellence sort of um, levels. But they were only, I think they were 11 to sort of 14 or 15, I think, that we had. And I mean, oh, the, the women's goalkeeping has come on absolutely leaps and bounds, right? 2015, we sort of got slated a lot. And it was like, oh, all women goalkeepers are rubbish. And that was based on a couple of, re- and they were big mistakes. And even I got a bit embarrassed and went, ooh. But that's because the outfield players had stepped on and the goalkeepers were still, you know, behind a little bit in their development. Then we come to um, 2019. And the 2019 World Cup, we were just looking and going, do you know what, right? a lot of these goalkeepers are pretty decent and it started to almost be the tournament of goalkeepers where we where we sort of like we faced our critics and, and we said yeah we can do this job and then um and then 2023 right, right the world cup that was goalkeeping excellence and there was a lot of superb goalkeepers women goalkeepers on display there you know and not least our Mary Earps, um you know did an absolutely cracking job but she was there, there was a lot you know morocco nigeria i think the jamaican goalkeeper had a real you know they had absolute cracking tournaments um, and I look at that and go, this is where goalkeepers have now got to. And when I see, you know, some of the talent that, that was on display when we went for the induction day, I look at that and I can't help but get excited and go, I'm, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to have some influence on some of these girls. I mean, I hope somebody goes on to play for the Lionesses. But if they don't, I hope they go to the WSL. If they don't, I hope at least that we're just going to help to push that women's goalkeeping forward, you know, forward and upwards and just make us better and better and better because we're there, we're, we're right there. We, we know what we've got to do now and, and I think the girls were showing it, certainly 2023. I don't know if you caught any of the games, but it was absolutely amazing. It was a, it was a different class than it has been when I talk about, you know, women's football and, and the progression and development. So I'm dead proud. I'm dead chuffed. And I'm so excited to get stuck into the future Lionesses goalkeeper program. So yeah, it means that much to me. <laughs> Julia, thanks very much for your fantastic, energetic, passionate input on the pod tonight. Um, no problem. And just loved having that chat and, and, and loved. And if I was in your session, I'd probably love the session because you're full of energy, you're full of knowledge, you love goalkeeping coaching, you love football as well, but you, you, you're you most passionate about um, goalkeeping coaching. But I'm glad you picked up on that bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
and yeah just a just a fantastic chat so thanks very much for your time because i'm sure you could have been doing something else rather than talking to me tonight um thank you so much for inviting me i've I've really enjoyed it and uh you know you were just one of those that fell into the trap of let's invite julia on to talk about goalkeeping it's one of my passions that is (laughs) brilliant julia again thanks very much and hopefully if there was in any other part two if you want to come back for part two i'm sure the listeners will probably be itching for you to come back on for part two to give that energy and that passionate and just your knowledge about goalkeeping coaching you in in the technical information that you've given in in everything brilliant yeah perfect i'll let you know how the future lionesses program goes along then (laughs) definitely thanks very much excellent thank you very much ross cheers (laughs) Whoosh! <laughs>